Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. How are you all feeling today? Do you think sometimes that you're holding everything together with bubblegum and spit? Well, I do. Maybe you feel that way. Let's take a mental health check, shall we? Are you anxious about what's happening on the news? Anxious about your current situation at home? Anxious about your job? Your health? Fill in the blank. I get it. And I'm going through the very same things. As far as the news is concerned, turn turn the news off. I promise you, you don't need to know what's going on every second of the day, what's going on in the news. Eventually, what you need to know will come to you in another way. I would say the same thing about Facebook and any other social media. If you're sitting there doom scrolling and you're not, I'd say, purging toxic people off of your social media friends, I say friends lightly, then that can really fuel your anxiety. I know that from experience. I I can't be on Twitter for very long because it's it can get really heated. Even like Christian Twitter really is appalling sometimes the conversation that goes on. You know, I'm I'm experiencing some health issues. I haven't felt good for the last two weeks. The myriad of my own health issues and you all know about Brian's and you all know about my work situation, so I'm right there with you. I'm here for you if you need somebody to talk to, to chat, very casual. Yeah, as far as the news goes and what's going on outside, what doesn't change is that the Lord loves you. Jesus is in control. He is going to make something good come out of a horrible situation. Our hope is not who's in the White House. Our hope is not whatever Whatever you're reading on Facebook, which is a lot of fakery, Instagram, you're comparing yourself with others, somebody else's supposed perfect life. There are no perfect lives. My life isn't perfect. And I am I'm very transparent about that here on the podcast and with my Men in the Soul group. What you see is what you get. I don't pretend to be somebody I'm not. And you shouldn't either. So I'm going through the same things that you are going through right now. And I'm here for you. If you need somebody to talk to, you can jump on a Zoom call and chat. No, it doesn't cost any money. But hopefully if you've been listening to the show long enough that I'm somebody that you can trust and who understands maybe a little bit about what you're going through. Speaking of, don't forget that we have a monthly meetup as a group, all of my podcast listeners and other supporters of DSW Ministries. We meet 
on Zoom once a month. It's the last Saturday of the month at 10 a.m., and that's Arizona time. And we just hang out. We get to know each other. I get to meet you and talk about what you're going through, and you get to meet other listeners of the podcast. I would rather do this than a Facebook group. I just, I don't know if I have the bandwidth for to open up a Facebook group right now trying to reduce the time I spend on social media. So I hope that you will join me. Our first one was June 25th, and it was, I met some of you guys. I'd like to meet more. Come and hang out. But you need to register. If you're on my mailing list, then you will you will get an invite with the link. Otherwise, you have to register. So I have a link in the show notes for you to register for the meetup. So if the date and time isn't convenient for you, hey, give me some feedback. If you guys have maybe something more convenient, so then you could join us, let me know, because I'm just picking what's convenient for me. (laughs) Want to meet your needs so we can hang out. So We do have a terrific show for you today. We have Felice Matthew in the house with us today. And we're going to talk about marriage. He's a marriage counselor. And we haven't had too many marriage counselors on the show. So this is going to be really informative. And I want to talk a little bit about his bio. So here's a little bit about Felice. Growing up, I wanted nothing to do with God. I remember watching my mother die slowly when I was 11. I knew that only God could save her from HIV, and so I prayed and prayed. Yet, despite my prayers, my mother died soon after, and I turned away from God. It took only 12 more months for murder and sickness to destroy all of the family members that had left. I was now an orphan. I looked around at society with an intense desire to understand relationships. Why were people soulmates on the wedding day only to be divorced in a short time after? How do some couples stay together for 40 or 50 years while the average marriage lasts seven years? How do we make relationships stronger at every level of society, starting with the most sacred and selfless act of marriage? I was in a unique position to ask and to answer these powerful questions. So, I did. I became obsessed with relationships and used my experience and expertise to dive deep into the most important aspect of any relationship communication, from the Latin word meaning to share. Shortly after I met my wife, her father led me to Christ. After coming back to God, it started to make sense. God already had a perfect design for relationships, and we were ignoring it. Through my new relationship with God, I started to understand how the depths of Scripture provided answers to questions I had been asking about marriage and relationships for a long time. Today, I'm on a mission to help spouses achieve unity in their marriage so that they can build community inside and out. And I'm not stopping until we start raising ourselves 
Stronger marriages create stronger communities. So we had a great conversation and we talked about a lot of different topics and he had some really great gold nuggets. Now we did have some technical issues with his bandwidth where he was at and so I did try as best I could to preserve his conversation on his end. I'm sorry about that. Thanks for your understanding in that department. But you're going to love Felice and what he has to say. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Felice Matthew. All right. Please welcome Felice Matthew to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you reaching out and, and telling us your story and how you help other other folks, uh, marriages. Looking forward to that. Uh, we like to start off with, with something fun about yourself. Hey, you know, what do you and your family do for fun or what are your favorite hobbies? Well, my, my wife and I are kind of polar opposites. She likes to go outside and stuff and I like to stay inside. I'm the homebody. So you can imagine during COVID, I was I was having fun and my wife was crazy, <laughs> you know, when they had the COVID lockdown. So, but uh, yeah, my wife likes to take trips. She's really big into travel. So, you know, every year for her birthday, I plan like a series of events that she can do. It's kind of been like a custom for the last 12 years. As for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge gamer. Yeah. I'm a huge gamer. Yeah. I was actually into tournaments and everything. I'm a huge gamer, um, and when when you and your audience hear my story, you kind of see the 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 backstory to that, and how I use that uh, to kind of deal with trauma and everything. All right, you know, I've got a a friend Aldeshina. He's a pastor on Twitch, so he plays games, and then he does devotionals, and he preaches to those that are in the gaming world, and it's just exploded his channel, and so that's cool. Um, Maybe uh, connect with him. He would, he would be totally uh, up your alley if you like gaming. Oh yeah, I definitely want his contact. Absolutely. I I'm actually thinking about. Well, I have a Twitch that I just created. And I'm actually I'm trying to figure out how to approach it. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna be growing a Twitch channel shortly. Yeah, you can definitely uh, connect with him because they have a creator network that they're putting together for people that are creating content on Twitch. So. You could um, meet some people, make some new friends. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Uh, where, what places has your wife gone to? My wife is originally from St. Lucia. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, she's all comparing everything to St. Lucia. But um, California, we've drove from California to Florida. I do not recommend that, you know, if you, unless you want to go crazy in Texas, because Texas, it took like a million hours to get through. But from yeah. <laughs> I've driven back and forth many times. Yeah, it's a rough ride. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, but yeah, we've seen states from California, Texas. We're supposed to go to Las Vegas for our anniversary, and then COVID shut everything down, so we had to cancel yeah. everything. Yeah, uh, Georgia's, Savannah, Georgia is one of our favorites. Uh, we took a, like a trolley ride. It was awesome. I actually thought I was going to go crazy first. You know, because just not, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to sit, I'm going to drive somewhere to sit somewhere to drive somewhere. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's, you know, that's what my mind said, you know, but it was actually pretty fun. It was historic. 
the bus uh, uh, driver was very funny. It was culture. And so it was, it was more fun than I thought. Um, yeah, so we went quite a few places. Now we're living in North Carolina, New York. We've been to New York. We've been to Canada. Uh, so, yeah, we've been quite a few places. Yeah, I like to travel. I've been to every state in the Union except Alaska and Hawaii. My, my parents liked to travel when we were kids. Wow. And, um, I got married to my husband Brian. Now we've we've been to we've been to France twice, Switzerland twice, Poland twice. I've been to Canada four times. Been I want to Puerto go to Rico. How's France? France is amazing. I studied French since the seventh grade, so I've always wanted to go, and I finally got to go in 2016, and then we went again in 2019. We also went to Israel in 2019. That was life-changing. But yeah, France, the food is amazing and the culture and the history. And it's so beautiful. COVID shut everything down. We can't go anywhere now. (laughs) Yeah. It's terrible. Well, we're going to transition into your story here. So let's start with where you grew up and what your childhood was like. Well, I grew up. I was born in Naples, Florida, but I grew up in a, 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 in a town called Immokalee, Florida. Not too many people know what that is. We have, you know, one high school, one middle school. You can hold your breath and drive through it, you know, oh. the, the town. So it's pretty small, but most people know Fort Myers and, and Miami. And so that's what most people know. Uh, but I, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm from. I, I grew up mostly in, in Immokalee. But my birth city in Naples, Florida, I have memories there, too. So were you raised in a Christian home or? No, no, I was not raised in a Christian home. Actually, it's my father-in-law who led me to Christ. My father-in-law is a pastor and he had been a pastor for over a decade when I met my wife. And um, at that time in my life, I was just questioning. There was never a time where I didn't believe in God. Right. You know, by the grace of God. There's never a time where I didn't think he existed. I just didn't know who he was. And I had a personal relationship with some being. I just didn't know who it was. And mm. when I met my father-in-law, I had so many questions. And every question he took to the Bible. Every question he took to the Bible. I had never seen anything like that. And then uh, one day, I think after months of talking to him, one day um, I said, I'm going to pick up the Bible. You know, I was, I was just finished playing video games. And I was going to go to sleep. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up this Bible. I think it was around one o'clock in the morning. I said, let me, let me just search for this question because I'm, I'm curious. Four or five in the morning, I'm still in the Bible. And then at that moment is when I felt like I believed in God because I was like, man, this truth right here really trumps the world. You know, like the world's logical argumentation. It really, this really seems like the highest, like, like truth when it comes to these matters. So from that point i think that's when i I was regenerated at least you know so amen but you had experienced some severe trauma as a child yeah share with what you're comfortable with uh, about that well you know uh as, as i told you before we started this i grew up thinking that my bio was a curse like why me i was job's cousin you know i was like why me you know What did I do in the past lifetime? Why me? And I say that because when I was 12, 
and my mother died of HIV. So mm-hmm. I'm in school learning about HIV and the symptoms. And then for the year leading up to my mom's death, I'm seeing these symptoms, you know, like surface, like, <laughs> so that, that was, that, that, that destroyed me inside. Mm-hmm. And then I never knew my real father and my, my stepfather was like a real father, but he got murdered a few months after my mom died. And then oh. a few months after that, the last living blood relative that I knew was my grand uncle and he died of diabetes. So within a year, I became an orphan. Mm. Like I have no brother, no sister, no uncle, no uncle, no aunt, no grandpa. I was the only one that I knew of that had absolutely no blood relation. Now, a lot of people I met were like, well, you know, I have family, but I don't have a good relationship with them. So we're the same. Look, I appreciate the attempt, but I'd rather have family or some type of blood relationship that I that I know and and hate than to have nobody. It wasn't until just about nine months ago um, where I had my first blood relation and that's my son. I've been married over 12 years and we just had our son and, uh, nine months ago. So that's the first wow. resemblance of someone carrying my DNA that I've known since my granduncle died when I was uh, 13. Oh. So uh, yeah, wow. that's, that's, that's my story. And uh, I had a lot of struggles with God, of course. You know, I had a, a, a whole lot of just struggles with my identity, um, my purpose, you know, um, why I'm here. And I, I had all those struggles. And ironically, to add a little extra to that, that same story, I currently work as a substance abuse clinician mm-hmm. at a substance abuse treatment center. That same story is the same story that I share with every patient that comes on my caseload for the first time. I have over 46 or 47 of them that I see twice a month. And to build, to, to help that population, you have to build rapport. Yes. There's no way you're going to help that population without building rapport. I mean, they're opening up about very personal things. So, you know, drug addiction, you know, since they were little, some of them have been uh, substance abuse users for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I always start with my story. I always say, hey, look, there's no way that I would be here without people that's sitting in front of you helping me. Whether it's a teacher, a mentor, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs some help. Here's my story. And every single person without fail immediately opens up, immediately listens to my suggestions and counsels. I'm amazed every single time how God Mm -hmm. turns your your pain into his purpose. Yeah, well, it's powerful. They can relate to somebody that understands what you're going through. I mean, did you make uh, bad choices as a result of the trauma you went through as a kid? Oh, no. I mean, I grew up perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Of course. And honestly, most of my bad choices revolved around accepting treatment uh, and relationships from from um, inconsiderate, insensitive, uh, disrespectful people because I clinged or I clung. Is that a word? Clung? <laughs> <laughs> I attached myself you know, unhealthily to relationships because I wanted to form them. I didn't have nobody. So I would settle for a lot of unfair treatments. Most of my bad choices stemmed around that. Mm. Wow. Now, I mean, how how do you heal from, from that kind of pain of losing your family at such a young age? Well, I'll let you know when it happens. Oh, so you're still on that journey, huh? 
And uh, no, nah, it, it's 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 not. It, it doesn't affect me like it used to, because God is is great. God is wise, and my wife has a huge family. I don't think you understand. I've met maybe three people since I've known my wife that's had as big a family as my wife. Three. And one of them was recently at my job. So, yeah, my wife on her mother's side has like 10. Um, on the father's side has like 10. And then if you're counting how much the grandparents have outside of the marriage, then you're adding another three or four. <laughs> and, and then from there, it's just like when you pour water on gremlins, it just... It goes crazy. I, you know, I, <laughs> safe to say, I can never remember aunts and uncles' names. I'm just, I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I, my ex-husband was uh, was Italian, and it was a pretty big family. I don't know if it was as big as your wife's family, but, but yeah, I'm sure that you you're able to um, adopt them as your family. And again, congratulations on said. Yes, my you should pray for me. And he's six months. He turns nine months this month. Nine months. That's an exciting age. It is. I'm having fun now. He has personality. He's playing mind games. Yeah. Fun <laughs> times. Like fun times. So you're still in the diaper stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun old diapers. You just change them and he surprises you again. Great. Great times. Yeah, I'm sure the prices right now are going up on diapers, right? Like everything else. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right about that. <laughs> Tell us how you, you met your wife. It was on a music sharing site. Is that right? Yes, there was a site uh, back in the good old days. You know, uh, the site was, well, we were using the same site, but it was different versions of it. The site that I was using was called Bear Share. The, the site that my wife was using, I think, was called Shariza. But it was the same. It was a, pretty much the same connection. Just I don't know why she had a different version. But on this site, you can chat, download music, and listen to music. So it also shows you who downloads the same music. Like after you download it, it gives a list of profiles. I used to download um, music, and I would always see her screen name pop up. Like some of the same exact music. And that was rare. I mean, it was like, I think it showed you the percentage too. And it was like in a 90 something percentage. And then I, then I sent her a chat. And then from there we talked. And then um, after that, we exchanged numbers. And I was like, Hey, I'm not going to call you. I know this is weird, but I'm not going to call you unless you're cool with it. We could just start off texting. So it's pretty much the same thing we're doing online to chat, you know? And uh, she said, okay. And then we chatted for about a month. And then I think around the end of the month, uh, I called her. Uh, with her permission and then she invited me to her uh, I met her in June that was around my birthday and her birthday's in July so she invited me to her birthday party around you know her family and whatnot and then from there everybody pretty much said we acted like married people so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like this big conversation of getting married we was already acting like you know, and I was telling her oh well, we might as well make it official you yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, hopefully that was in a good way instead of in the bad way. You know, you're bickering like merry old merry folks. Oh, uh, and uh, like it, it was in a good way. It was just like, you know, she'd be doing someone's hair and I'd be doing homework in a room. She'd be washing clothes and I'd be washing. It's like just things where two people cohabitate. Like 
we was already there and we was not living together or anything. I would just stop by or she would stop by my apartment. So it was it just felt natural. Hmm. Yeah. So we my husband and I met on a Christian dating website where we're we're both musicians and that was a point of contact for us too, is that we saw that we we both had the same um interest in the same kind of music and movies and stuff and yeah we were we were married in six months <laughs> i got the flu one one time and he came over he said he already had a flu shot you know and i'm like i just wanted to crawl into bed and die because i was miserable sick and he says, no, I'll come and get you some medicine and some Kleenex and some soup and I'll cook you dinner and and clean up the dishes. And we sat on the couch watching sci-fi movies and I thought, who does this? Who who goes on a date with some girl with the flu? And so I thought, this guy's a keeper. That's awesome. <laughs> that was, yeah, so I was like, it was like the same thing. I was like, um, it's it's I like hearing how people get together. It's always different and interesting. Me too. Me. How do you find a, a good future spouse? How do you prepare to be a good spouse yourself? Let's let's transition into that. I mean, you guys had it all figured out as soon as you got married. Oh yeah, we're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'd be going against my Christian faith if I ever called myself or anyone perfect. No, uh, you know, before I came to Christ, I literally had notebooks, paper, and I would write down everything I wanted and a woman, right, and a wife. Because, you know, backtrack, uh, I wasn't looking for a girlfriend growing up. I was a 13-year-old kid looking for a wife. Safe to say, you don't get a lot of girlfriends when you start off like that. Um, I'm gonna just go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, but, uh, that's, that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to have children that had a mother and a father together, that husband and wife. I was very serious about it from a young age. I had all these things that, that I wanted and my wife was way more than anything that I could imagine. And I didn't even think of some of the things that she is, but, um, I'd say that to segue to this before I came to Christ, I had all these you know, things on a list. So this and, you know, look this way and act this way and do this for me. And I think we all do in some way, shape or form. Yeah, we all had that <laughs> list, brother. Right. <laughs> but now as a Christian, I have a different paradigm. And I know some people who are not Christian will call this bias. People who are Christian and take the word of God seriously will understand this perspective. But now if I was telling my, my single self something, or as I'm raising my son, I will tell him the most important thing in a woman would be that she fears God. It'd be that she fears God. And here's why. Because either you fear a God or you are your own God. Mm-hmm. What, does that, what does that mean, Felice? Well, I'd rather have, you know, let me use a very practical example. I'd rather go to a restaurant that has to follow regulations with the state than go eat at a food truck that doesn't answer to anyone. That mm-hmm. might be a stretch, right? But what I'm saying is someone who fears God answers to someone. So their their behavior, their, their speech, 
their actions, you know, everything is, 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 should be at least, uh, uh, steered by that. If you have someone that doesn't believe in God, I'm not saying they're evil, I'm not saying they, they have, they lack any type of moral compass, but essentially they decide in their right and their, and their eyes, what's, you know, what's, what's right, what's right, what's wrong. And knowing that nobody is perfect, you're going to be in a situation where you have these debates and arguments and misunderstandings. How is that person going to steer themselves right or wrong? What's, what's that compass for them? I think that will cause way more problems than having someone that has some type of belief other than themselves to mm -hmm. be steered by. So that's, that's my personal belief. I know people will say it's biased or you're saying that because you're Christian. Well, well, yeah. I mean, are you disagreeing because you're non-Christian? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't understand that thought, but that would be, that would be the one. And um, how do you prepare for marriage? Well, learn to kill yourself every day. Wait, Felice, that is, oh man, what are you? Violence. My kids are listening. No, no, I don't mean literally. No, I mean, learn to tune out selfishness and learn to focus on uh, selflessness and that's an everyday battle because every day in our flesh outside of marriage we think of me 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 mm -hmm. it's funny how god designed marriage to be we so that you are no longer two but one flesh i don't i don't i don't hear me in that that verse right there i hear we mm -hmm. yeah you make some really good very good points because I have dated unbelievers, and it was really a train wreck because we come from two different worldviews. And tough. yeah, but I am I am happily married to my husband Brian Amen. for twelve years. We have never had a fight. What we we disagree on things but there has never been you know raising our voice or calling each other names or playing games or no we talk about about things in an adult fashion and you know try and understand each other because uh, we both came from an abusive former marriage and where there was a lot of fighting and abuse going on and screaming and yelling and horrible things and my husband's really good at saying, you, when you wake up each day, you have a choice as to what your attitude is going to be. You can choose to be happy and, and pleasant and, and joyful and kind to your partner, or you can choose to be the opposite. Which, which one is it going to be? You're going you're to be miserable or you're going to be happy. So we don't always get that perfect, but... As you say, it's it, every day you have to choose not to be selfish, to put your partner ahead of, of yourself. And Jesus said to die, die to yourself, right? Die to the cross, pick up the cross. Yep. Do you think that you can have a successful marriage after had really bad relationships in the past? How do you get over that hump of, well, I've had all these terrible relationships and now I really want to start fresh and and have a good marriage going into this. That's that's tough. That's extremely tough. Well, you you know, work with substance abuse folks, so that a lot of times comes into play in their past. So, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And um, I'm glad you bring that up because the point that I was going to make, uh, it, it does parallel with my experience from substance abuse. But I had this point even before my experience with, with working with in the substance abuse population. And the point is, uh, I, I did a post on Facebook that kind of went viral. And it was a it was a video of me doing a workshop. And in the workshop, I just show a clip of a certain part that I liked. I didn't know it would go that big. I just liked that part. And I said, um, flaws are like boogers. Yes, I know everybody. I said boogers. <laughs> boogers, right? You know, uh, you need a mirror sometimes to notice that you have a booger. We don't often see it. We don't, we don't often feel it. It's either we see it in the mirror when we're doing a checkup or someone points it out. Back in the cave. <laughs> Right. That's how flaws often are. We don't see it. We're more fixated on how great we are than what we need to work on. Right. So hold that thought there. And let me add this. Trauma stays with your body. There's a there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm. And one of the leading experts in the world in trauma, um, such an expert that during 9-11, they brought one guy in and that was him. And he managed a team of counselors with his methods. That's how good he is. And uh, so trauma stays with you. Trauma stays with you. Now, a lot of people don't address it. They don't confront it. They don't acknowledge it. They don't admit it. Doesn't that sound similar to what substance abuse people do? Yeah. Right? So just like in substance abuse, and just like to answer your question, how do you really ensure the success of your next marriage? Or how do you even, you know, get into the next relationship with trauma? Well, you got to work on you. You got to look in the mirror and see that booger. Now, well, Felice, you call in trauma flaw? Well, yes. It's, it's not perfection, right? Something happened to you that distorted your well-being mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That is flawed. And and, and the Bible flawed means, uh, um, well, I should say perfect. Perfection in the Bible means equal or whole on all sides. So there, if you're flawed, just like if I was to check a jewel, it's flawed. There's a piece broken. There's a piece chipped. It's not Mm -hmm. whole and equal on all sides. So with trauma, then you're not whole. You're not equal on all sides because of these experiences. Now you're trying to get with someone in a relationship with stuff that you haven't even dealt with in yourself. Do you think it's going to have problems? manifest problems in a relationship absolutely if i have a car that has transmission issues and i'm trying to drive from florida to california i can ignore the transmission issues but it's going to show up mm-hmm. it's going to show up so i think i think a lot of people generally whether you you face trauma or not i think many people especially nowadays in this generation need to stop thinking about how great they are i'm not promoting low self-esteem I'm just saying I'm promoting a self-awareness that says, yeah, this is great, but I need to work on this. So let me work on this so that my partner doesn't suffer either uh, directly or indirectly because of this thing right here that I'm not working on in me. And they're now with me dealing with that. That is great advice. And I do want to ask about submission. I've I've watched some of your um, social media videos. Submission gets a bad rap. Oh, the, yeah. The Bible talks about submitting to one another. And what does that look like? I mean, as you see it. 
Oh, Lord. If I want uh, a group of women all over, all over the world to love me, I just say, men, you should do this for your wife. Do that for your wife. Do this. Oh, my God. Yes, he's great. He's awesome. Oh, man, he's the best counselor in the world. As soon <laughs> as I talk about submission, oh, my God, I'm, I'm sexist and, I, oh, you know, I'm all, uh, you know, all these types of words. And let me give you another uh, point to that. One of my mentors has been married, right? He's been married for 50, 50 years. So he's been a marriage counselor for 40 years. If he posts something telling men what they need to do and submit and all of that, he goes viral. As soon as he says submission to women, they hate him. They comment, say they're, they're telling him to take this stuff down. So it's, it's, it's such a bad concept or trigger word with submission. And it shouldn't be. If, if, if women truly understand what submission means, then, then you'd be happy to submit to a man. You'd, you'd be happy to, right? But what man are you submitting to? Well, a man who submits to God. <laughs> so mm -hmm. if a man is submitting to God, what does God teach us? Love your wife like what? Christ love the church. Oh, my God. That's such a, oh, wait, hold up. I got to follow in those footsteps? Oh, look, husbands, choose your wife carefully. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Choose your wife carefully. But let me, let me make it more practical. When I think of submission, I think of selfless service. If you think of a good parent, what makes that parent a good parent, regardless of what culture you come from, regardless of what differences you may have with another human being, we somehow unanimously understand that a good parent is one that puts their child's needs before themselves. It's not about your sleep anymore. It's not about your goals and your dreams and going out or you wanted to buy this or buy that. It's about making sure that that baby is protected, is cared for, is loved. The mother's love is the closest example that I can give people to understand what submission is. It's selfless service. Mm -hmm. I've never seen someone describe love as someone who always wants something from them, someone mm -hmm. who's always there to take from them. I've never heard that definition. I've always heard love either directly or indirectly described as something that someone is doing for you without expecting something in return. Oh, that sounds a lot like selflessness to me. Mm -hmm. That's what submission is. Exactly. That's what submission is to me. Selfless service. So ladies, if you find a man who submitted to God, then that means his, his morality, his, his speech, his mentality, his soul is directed by Jesus. And if that man is really submitting himself to Jesus, not, not through perfection, because that's impossible, right? Nobody's perfect. But if he's submitting himself consistently, and if he grieves over sin, and he knows and understands and tries to apply the word of God, you should have no problem submitting and selflessly serving a God like that. Because at the end of the day, his number one goal as a husband is to wash his wife with the world, uh, with the word, and to love his wife like Jesus loved the church. That's his number one goal. Where he's not following the standards of of, of a Christian husband. So I, I think that's an, an important thing to to kind of to to state. And that's a great question. Yeah, you know why submission gets a bad rap because there have been 
men traditionally that have used submission to treat women horribly. Absolutely. Take their, take their identity away to make them do things they shouldn't, shouldn't be asked to do or using um, the Bible as a weapon against them. I know my ex-husband did. And I have no trouble at all submitting to my husband now because he is selfless and serves the Lord and he wants what's best for me. That's why that's a hot button issue. And it's it's hard for survivors of that kind of unscriptural, I will say, mentality of what submission means to to trust another another man again because of that, you know? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And to that, I would say that how fair is it, ladies and men, for us to treat all men or women by by the experiences of our past, right? Mm -hmm. How fair is that? So I'll just leave that question there. I know we don't mean to do it. We're not always aware that we do it. But I think you need to ask yourself that question because in the same likeness, I can say that there have been many men who have attempted to love a woman like Jesus loved the church and being taken advantage of. His forgiveness was taken advantage of. His service was unappreciated. You know, his needs were neglected because now the focus been was on the wife and what she needed because she got used to being served like that. And happy wife, happy life. Oh, I hate that phrase so much. But oh my, I could give a dissertation on that phrase. It's very one-sided. I agree with you. Yeah. Both sides want love and respect and, and to be cared for. I definitely have male listeners who have, have been taken advantage of and abused and that, you know, the wife was the abuser and took advantage of the husband. So you definitely have a valid point. So let's talk about communication. So give us some tips to improve our communication with our spouse or maybe our future spouse if we're not married. Well, it's, it goes hand in hand with uh, selflessness. It really does. A lot of people don't understand that. And it takes time to shift that paradigm. That's why I often give workshops that people can attend or, you know, I, I give counseling sessions for like six or more because it takes time for paradigms to shift. Right. So a lot of times, if you notice, if you think about communication yourself, right, don't you realize or do you realize, I should say, to ask it better, do you realize that a lot of misunderstandings or disagreements happen because the person communicating or the two people communicating are solely focused on their view, their feelings, their want from the transaction, and they seem to assume that that's how the other person should see it, and the other person is doing the same, and it seems like it's a struggle now. It's a tug of war of perspectives. Have you have you experienced that? Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the key to learning how to communicate is pretty simple. Put yourself in the other person's shoes and argue against what you currently feel to understand them. I'm not saying walking around argue yourself. I won't be blamed for looking like you're crazy. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> argue against the emotion. Like, if you feel like. Um, let me give you a very complicated one and show you how simple this could be applied. Sex is a huge thing in marriage. You know, mm-hmm. I, a lot of men reach out to me complaining and a lot of women reach out to me complaining. Okay, now let's look at that. When you take two couples together, what usually happens is 
the woman is generally saying that she wants more romance, more excitement, more passion, more connection. She should want those things. Those things should happen in marriage. The man is saying he wants frequency. He wants variety. He wants to feel wanted too. He wants her to initiate and try new things and stop making excuses and all this stuff. The problem happens in communication when she's only thinking about her romance, her passion, and she's forcing him to confirm, com conform to giving her what she desires for that sex and that, and that marriage. Well, what's the problem with that, Felice? Because it's one-sided. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A marriage is not about you. It's about you too. So that you are no longer two, but one flesh. When I'm not saying that um, he should get sex whenever he wants, because that would be one-sided. Yeah. I am saying is the arguments that happen around it are rarely arguments that go like this. Hey, you know, I know uh, to get turned on to have sex, I need to be pursued. I need to be romanced. You know, I got stuff going on at work with my family. I'm tired. Maybe I have kids. But you know what? That shouldn't be an excuse because I know we've only had sex once this month. And I know frequency is important to you. So I need to work on that. It really goes like that from a woman's side, the man's side. You know what? I, you're right. You know, I get turned on way faster than you. So as soon as I'm turned on, I see you get out the shower or, you know, you're looking beautiful in that makeup. And I just want you. And I know that maybe you had a hard time at work or maybe... Maybe uh, uh, um, you're stressed from your, your family arguments or the kids wore you out. Maybe I should take some of that off your, your plate and I can give you a massage. Maybe we'll go out to dinner or go on a date to give you the romance to show you that, you know, it rarely goes like that for men. So what mm -hmm. do arguments happen? It's a tug of war. Who's right? Yeah. My side is right. It should be about romance. It should be about this. It should be about that. Romance is important. Desire is important. But on the man's side, there's often a lot of... Take your phones, Golden. Your screen is frozen. You still there? There you are. I don't know how it overheated. Oh. That's weird. Well, it's because you were talking about sex, brother. That, that's... <laughs> then your phone decided to blow up. <laughs> it was getting juicy here, so... <laughs> We'll see if we can continue before it, it, it bails on us again. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. But uh, I think the last part I was saying of that was, um, to, to sum it up, we need to spend more time putting ourselves in other people's shoes, like sincerely, and seeing things from the lens of, of your spouse, right? And, and, and it's easy to do that if you argue with yourself. I know I want this. Okay, but okay, let me argue with myself. Why shouldn't I get this? How does he feel about this? Or how does she feel about this? I think that would definitely improve marriages like tenfold. After, mm -hmm. after this, you're going to start listening to people communicate on a whole different level, like a whole different perspective. You're going to hear the selfishness. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, Brian is, is a, um, a positive person. And usually very happy all the time. And I'm not naturally positive, so I have to work on that. And when I got married to him, it was an adjustment for me because I had come from, you know, that background where I had to change my thinking. Uh -huh. And some things that he would say to me, completely innocent, would, would trigger me because right. it was like he would say something totally innocent that maybe my my ex would say to me that I did not like at all. And he had no clue. 
And then first couple of times I'd get upset, but um, I had to learn, you know, I need to take a deep breath and, and pause before I respond because he's an innocent party and this. I need to communicate, maybe rephrase it this way. Don't phrase it this way because that just puts me on the defensive and I'm not perfect. I definitely had to change my communication skills. And recently, my husband and I do not have the same beliefs in doctrine. I mean, the main stuff we are, but there are some tertiary beliefs in um, in the Bible that we that we don't align with. And we had this discussion about um, things on current events and and things in the Bible. And he's very passionate about his viewpoint, and I'm very passionate about my view. We were not agreeing on it. We were trying to convince the other person of our own viewpoint. I realized, you know, I want to preserve the relationship and preserve the, the harmony that we have in our home. And it isn't worth it to me to win this discussion oh. on something that that isn't like absolutely imperative. Amen. It's not, you know, something that you're going to lose your salvation over. It's nothing major like that. It's all these side side doctrines that, that people have their their views on. So I, right. I said to him when we went to bed, I said, let's let's agree not to talk about those topics in, in scripture or doctrine that we know we don't agree with. And I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. And I want to respect your views. Your position is valid, what you have. And I believe that my position is valid and we'll just go go on from there. But some people don't, they, they don't want to give in. They want to win. You know, we have to decide. Right. Are we gonna, do you want to win or do you want to be at peace in your home? You got to pick and choose which, which hill you're going to die on. Right. Well, you know, I have a Bible verse to back this up and... <laughs> Well, right. I'm going to buy a verse to back it up, too, and we're never going to come to an agreement. It's great to talk about things that we're passionate about, but if you're not going to agree, then we have that word compromise. Even compromise is an ugly word now. Did we leave anything out that, that you wanted to talk about today before you you let the listeners know about your resources and your book? Well, I usually prefer a little spoken word poetry. Um a spoken word poetry. I'm actually a. I use speaker. I, I use uh, poetry in my workshops, and and um, it's a poetry tradition and complexities of emotions and stuff like that. So, um, if you when you listen to it, you'll, you'll hear it's just my observations, right? Growing up, and um, mm-hmm. it's it, it goes. I see men. I see men that being a man doesn't consist of consistent plans of deceiving women. Instead of taking the time to instill the skill system and support their child through child support, they're like, yo, that's, that's how you raise them. They expect children to praise them. Being a father is just a phase to them. They're like, why bother to them? And this predicament, I predict, man, that dollars don't make sense, man, since it's just senseless. I see women who women try to rule either Tarzan, man, and try to tame him, rearrange him to change, change him like the see, man, once we change, man, that's when we become lame to them. There's unlined. So that's just a, a part of a bigger poem. And I often I often share that part in the introduction. I didn't do it this time because I I'm imperfect, okay. <laughs> but 
I often share that um, as a part of my story to kind of get people to understand. Look, I was really a guy, a kid, trying to understand marriages to reproduce a family that I would never have. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of a book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are, are From Venus. Yeah. Venus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a 13-year-old reading that book. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, pretty heavy reading for a kid. Uh, oh, yeah. God bless me to be a reader. You know? Yeah, men are microwaves and women are crockpots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds about right. And tell folks about your book and your your resources. How can can people connect with you if they need some counseling and they you know they are connecting with you and say, hey, you know, Felice can really help me with whatever I'm going through right now. Well, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Married as One. That's Facebook, Married as One. Click the link in my profile, and it takes you out to all my resources. I have a blog uh, where I've written several articles. One of the articles is, is doing pretty well right now on the internet. It's called 20 Common Errors, and I go and I list 20 problems. I give you an example of how it manifests, you and, and I show you a solution. And, and that's a very good place for people to start imp- implementing their, uh, that want, desire to help their marriage. Or you can reach out to me. And the link on Facebook got married as one. There's always a link to there's there's also a link to my book. Um, there's a link to send me personal email. So I'm I'm on the web. I'm 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 on the web. You know. So wow, and it's it's been such such an awesome conversation today. You touched on a lot of great things that will help my listeners here. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, thank you. It was kind of lagging out, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love partnering with other uh, like-minded people who have the same purpose. And, you know, uh, God willing, I'll continue to partner up with, with, with different people to share my message and, and to learn something I'm at it. Yeah, God bless you and your family. Thank you. God bless you, too. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.